passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 24 of the Eggshells Podcast Companion. This is an audible companion to Eggshells Pro Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome, a book that goes into deep detail on every single professional wrestling event ever held in Japan's most famous stadium. In this podcast, we take a look at a different year in Tokyo Dome history with a different guest each time. This time, the year is 2012, and the guest joining me from Pro Wrestling Torch, Mr. Sean Radigan. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm uh, as as to give the game away on how far in advance we're recording this. Um, we're just post the clocks going back, which makes um, dealing with American guests more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> but um, time zones as it as it is, I've, I've settled into my my winter podcasting rhythm, which is uh, go to bed at the same time the kids go to bed. And then, and then wake up <laughs> in the middle of the night, do a podcast, and then go back to sleep, which is uh, which is a funny rhythm to go to go for. But uh, but uh, yeah, Sean, twenty twelve. What what were you up to back in that time? Cast your mind back six or seven years. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I was uh, oh boy, probably watching a lot of. Uh, evolve and ring of honor at the time and uh hadn't started watching new japan yet and um uh yeah it was a uh uh definitely um it was probably this is probably right on the cusp of when they started to hear a lot about new japan um uh yeah wrestle kingdom six was a pretty uh landmark event uh, for people um, that follow New Japan now, there's a, you know, some pretty big happenings on the show. And um, uh, what was it? Uh, Bushi Road purchased the company shortly after Wrestle Kingdom Six, and um, you know Okada's uh, Rainmaker debut. So it's a pretty um, a pretty interesting year for New Japan and the launch of uh, you know the, what would become uh, the centerpiece of their promotion. Uh, for a great deal of time. Yep, yep. Of course, uh, in 2012, this was the year that um, Japanese Audio Wrestling, a podcast I used to do with WH Park, debuted on uh, on the Law. So that was obviously what inspired a, a six years younger Sean Radigan to to take the plunge yes. and, and tune into New Japan Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume. Um, Good grief! What what else happens in 2012? I got married in 2012, so oh wow, yeah. So that that was that was my other, of course, apart from. I am trying uh, to remember. I don't think anything too remarkable happened to me in 2012. Um, I'm trying to look back and remember, and nothing is coming up as particularly 
particularly eventful from that year. Uh, there's certainly nothing on the level of a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> um, the sky tree was finished in, in Japan, our tallest structure um, and irritating tourist, tourist trap. Well, with big <laughs> long lines. And uh, AKB48, Sean, uh, dominated the pop charts um, as they've done every year for the last few episodes of this podcast and will continue to do uh akb 48 was at the the top of the charts uh with manatsuno sounds good you're an akb 48 fan sean um, I was furiously searching <laughs> to, to figure to figure out. <laughs> Apparently, it's quite a big group. <laughs> yes, yes, both in terms of uh, scale and number of members. <laughs> they look like they'd fit right into the uh, chaos school video uh, from this picture I see on Wikipedia. So, <laughs> well, yeah, well, a schoolgirl outfit. <laughs> a, f- a few of them have tied in and out with with wrestling over the years. Yeah, yeah. They, they, oh. had, they had their own like TV drama that was about wrestling called, oh, to- called <laughs> Tofu Pro Wrestling, and they've had shows since, um, like which was called Tofu Pro Wrestling The Real. Um, and they do pretty good numbers because they get, I don't think they get as many wrestling fans as they get like pop idol fans that, that want to see, you know, AKB 48 people wrestling, wrestling one another. Tofu pro wrestling. Tofu pro wrestling. Um, dive into it. Yeah. Because like, um, yeah, Milano collection 80 wound up training these girls. For, for oh this, wow! For this drama, Jeez. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was one of my favorites back when he uh, tore, started touring. I believe it was Ring, Ring of Honor um, in the mid two thousands, and uh, I I was fascinated with him for a couple of years. And it's yeah, um, I would have loved to see his career get extended more. And uh, he was just the uh, whole gimmick with the uh, the uh, invisible leash and everything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, like his his career cut cut kind of sadly short. But I think even now, um, he's he's a really good. He's turned into a really really good announcer for 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 New Japan. Dude, um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, great and, to and see. someone that when it was a case when I first started listening to him, I just wound up getting so intensely frustrated all the time because you know he was. Um, he was very keen on having his his catchphrases pushed to the forefront for, <laughs> for a while, but like he settled into being just a, a really really solid um, like analyst, I think for for them, uh, you know, one of their most credible voices. So was um was your entry point into New Japan was that the the Ring of Honor work or um, where was your game? I start to hear about um, G One Climax. Was it twenty? 20- 13 or 2014 the greatest one ever um trying to remember which one it was but it was uh the first one that people start calling the greatest one ever that naito one um yeah that was 2013 yeah 2013 and so i started to hear about that g1 climax tournament um in 2013 and how awesome it was and the greatest thing of all time and you know i'd read the observer and i'd look at you know dave's reports about 
you know, the, the new Japan scene, of course I'd glance at that cause I had heard how good it was. And, you know, guys like Tanahashi and I started watching the tournament in 2014, AJ Styles was there. He was one of the guys that got me into ring of honor at the time when I was watching the TNA weekly pay-per-views. I loved, you know, I just loved his work, his wrestling, his fast paced style, and that was a gateway into Ring of Honor, and I've always enjoyed his work. So him being in Bullet Club and and and, and uh, you know being free of Impact uh, at the time was uh, you know just a, a big incentive to keep watching. Uh, in that 2014 G1, just like <laughs> every night they had the at the time they hadn't split the blocks up yet, so they had the ten matches and. Uh, I just remember every show was like wrestling heaven. You know, you'd get like four or five matches. It seemed like every show, you know, just uh, four or five matches, just incredible matches and storylines and, uh, you know, just the style, you know, the fighting spirit, the hard hitting action. Uh, I remember the Suzuki Styles match was just like one of the, I thought at the time was like one of the best matches I'd ever see during the tournament. And it was just, you know, Nakamura, um, you know, all the guys just captured my interest. And then it just it was it Axis came along eventually um, around 2014, 2015, maybe. I can't remember exactly, but, uh, you know, that was cool watching, going back and seeing stuff with English commentary because that kind of helped me out a lot, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, and, and getting things. And um, yeah, so between... English commentary, I started to really, like, before Axis came along, I started to just love the emotion of the Japanese commentary. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was perfectly fine with just watching in Japanese commentary, but when Kevin Kelly and Steve Carino, or uh, Matt Stryker at one point was with them as well, it was a big help. You know, I switched over, and, um, you know, because I like to constantly learn about things, you know, learn, yeah. I, like, yeah. like, I'm sinking myself into it because... You know, I followed most of the promotions I've covered, like, the, you know, in depth, like Ring of Honor and DGUSA Evolve and um, the Independence Seed. You know, I really get to follow them in depth from a certain, you know, from a long term historical standpoint. But with uh, New Japan, you know, I was just trying to learn as much as I could. There's not many, you know, at the, you know, when I was getting into it, there weren't many resources <laughs> learn about the promotion the feuds of course there was the you know i could go back and read the um you know dave melter's coverage and uh you know gleam things here and there that i could find but it's really become very accessible to people in the last few years that you know haven't followed it before but now you can follow it and i just think it's great um you know, you you put out your book Alliance Pride, which is just a great overview of the company. Um, that's tremendously helpful for people looking to uh, learn about the history of New Japan, and uh, eggshells is great too, and um, things like that. And you know, having that English team over for almost all the shows now is just so fantastic. When I started watching, and it wasn't even all that, you know, about four years ago, four or five, you know, four or five years ago when I started dabbling in it. It's just amazing the turnaround, um, you know, from before you really had to scramble to find bits and pieces of information and, and, um, and just in, in, and now they have, uh, you know, they have commentary on every show. Uh, it's easier than ever to sign up for new Japan world. It's easier than ever to, uh, uh, the fire stick app has improved for new Japan world that I use, um, uh, it's a fantastic time to check out New Japan. It's um, more 
accessible than ever. They um, they tour the you you know they're doing frequent tours of the U.S. and uh, running shows here. Uh, a successful partnership with Ring of Honor. Uh, you know, from their standpoint, you know they're doing a they've, they're running four shows in five days right now. So the it's mostly just the Lij crew on the shows and Kushida, I believe. And um, but yeah, um, there's so many uh, entry points, and um, it's just great that you know New Japan has all these partnerships. So you can see their guys go to England and mix it up with you know top indie guys in places like RPW and. Um, you know this the CMML exchange. Uh, you know it's brought about some fun things as well, and um, I'm sorry the CMLL relationship. Um, you know the, you know, you see those guys at Ring of Honor and New Japan, the Fantastic Mania shows. So it's such a there's there's so many layers to the company that makes it so much fun to follow from the top on down. Yeah, and um, we're at this point where kind of very much over the last few episodes we've been talking about oh you can just sort of see the start of this uh of this era here you know you you'll see especially uh one of the fun things um i found talking to especially more recent fans is like uh or more recent guests who are more recent fans on, on this uh on this podcast is um people looking at the young lions at ringside and then going, oh, there's Okada or there's Naito or you know, there's Hiromu Takahashi and, and things like that. And um, you really sort of see the, the new era or this current era kick into gear, as, as you mentioned, with, with Wrestle Kingdom 6 because um, Bushi Road had been sponsoring the company all through 2011 and then the, the sort of takeover was, was finalized and made public uh, in January of 2012. And uh, that coincided with Okada at, at coming out at the end of this show um to sort of kick that era into into high gear so it's interesting that that we see i think like really from new beginning is obviously when okada wins the belt and that's where things uh definitely kick off and become very recognizable um and really like okada's reign was sort of defined by uh, the defense against naito the next month in in korakuen um but uh, this show, I think it's, I don't know how you found it, Sean, but it feels kind of strange in that this is very much the, the start of this, this current era. But like, there's also, you know, there, there's also a little bit of the old in with this, this new. And yeah. it, it feels like, especially pacing wise, it, it feels like a very strange show, like in ring and out the ring, a, a kind of a, a strange show to watch in the Tokyo Dome. It wasn't. You know the New Japan Tokyo Dome show I'm used to in terms of, uh, you know, in ring action, pacing, and things like that. You know, um, uh, you know, we'll touch on it later. But uh, the thing that you know surprised me the most, um, uh, just you know, you know, what you got coming out of the show, you certainly wouldn't expect watching this show when it took place, and that's the Rainmaker character, and you know, just uh, you know, just uh, you know, just out of that match, which is uh, Okada against Yoshihashi, uh, you know, both guys making their return to the company at the time, but just uh, you know, kind of like. Uh, a nothing match that didn't really stand out. <laughs> I, I think the thing is, and, and this was, I was, um, I was at this show and, um, you know, by, by the end, you know, we'll, we'll get into the, the main event, but like, and the, how, 
um, poorly received Okada was at the end of the show. And sure. just, but I mean, the real thing is just how much of a dramatic turnaround um, presentationally you had with Okada in, in the space of a month and how much work had to go into that. Um, because it's almost like his his the Okada on this show, you know, Yoshiashi is recognizably Yoshiashi, but like Kazuchika Okada, it seems kind of like an off model Kazuchika Okada. Yeah, you know, like there's seems like an early build. <laughs> exactly, but I mean, it's it, but everything about him's weird, you know. And, and I'm, I was, you know, rewatch every time I rewatch this 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 particular show, I'm like, what's so different about Okada? Because you know, by the end of this month. He's, you know, I mean, he goes through a few different hair colors, and like you, you finally settle down on ah, yeah, this is the Okada we we all came to know. Um, but especially in this show, you know, I think he's got a strange hairstyle. Um, he's like, I don't know whether he's carrying a little bit more weight in his face or whether he's just got really weird tan. Like it, it, the 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 yeah, he, looks, he was. He just looks so strange on this. He looks show. slightly uh, heavier than he usually does, I guess, um, in the face. And uh, I don't know. It just didn't look like the Rainmaker. It looked like uh, I don't know the Rainmaker before he beat. Like I said, like the Rainmaker before the final version. Like they had yeah. to. Well, I mean, and, and that sort of speaks to him in this match as well, where everything is okay. Yeah, this is it. It's. Yeah, it, it's kind of like Bazachika Okada from like some. You know, I I grew up Sean in the uh, the dark era of, of UK independent wrestling, where yeah. you, know, you would get the tribute acts coming. Yeah, out, you know, and it felt like Bazachika Okada the tribute, <laughs> tribute. Act, you know, because <laughs> he's doing he winds up doing the the Rainmaker pose. Um, where it's the, the it's the similar pose but just not quite right like he's a little bit he's less uh self-confident i think you know it's something to do with his posture and like you know with the arms aren't quite fully stretched out or whatever he doesn't quite believe it here you know i think and the, especially the the rainmaker itself which at this point is very much the the off model rainmaker with the the net breaker at the end instead of the the lariat just a, a strange, strange uh, match to see. And you'd almost think coming out of this match, even though it like Okada wins, but it's almost like Yoshihashi seems more impressive than Okada, like on this match yeah, alone, which is very strange to say, you know. Hashi seemed to have his, you know, they're both heels, but Hashi seemed to have it, you know, shoving the ref while Okada's coming out and spitting at the ref and seemed to have his act down, at least for what he wanted to do, but... Okada, I don't know, maybe it was the confidence thing, you know, coming off the TNA stint as Okado, uh, you know, the Green Hornet-style sidekick. Uh, he can't have been, you know, he couldn't have felt super confident, you know, going from that to, you know, what would, you know, nobody knew at the time, but, you know, who, the person that would end the longest reign in, of IWGP title, heavyweight title defenses. Um, so, you know, maybe it was just the confidence, you know, the way he carried himself. He maybe just was unsure of himself, um, you know, because he... Yeah, he, I, he, he I, to, that. I, I don't know. Have you, have you seen the match where he won the belt in, in New Beginning? Not yet. Um, I mean, like, that, it's it's not so much, you know, what's what's shocking about, like, this, this match is it is not so much that um, Okada wasn't confident, but that by the end of the month, he he was you know yeah um that he had to, and it took 
you know, I think like the the feedback, like immediately following a new beginning, everybody was kind of oh, but that's because of Tanahashi, you know, and still, you obviously to this day, you know, every every time somebody has a surprisingly good match, you know, then you look at the other side of the ring and it's Hiroshi Tanahashi, and it's kind of oh yeah, um. So a lot of people still were very, very skeptical because they were thinking, oh, it's Tanahashi, it's Tanahashi. And it wasn't until, as I said, like the, the next month where he challenged against Naito in, in Korakuen, which was, I mean, historically it's interesting because it was the last ever IWGP title match in Korakuen Hall. Um, but uh, that that first defense was was where like Okada really sort of sets himself up and um you know, where people really believed it's like oh holy shit like Okada is actually really good it's not just Tanahashi propping him up it's almost you know I don't know if if, if I was being ex- extremely conspirational you you almost think that um he almost you you couldn't make it deliberate in a way you know that uh the Okada was was so nondescript and that by the end of the night was uh so i don't know so vehemently um unwanted by the audience and that sort of really sort of set up i think the end of the month like the the rainmaker shock of like you know, the, this guy we rejected is is actually championship worthy. It's like what, and then a few months later, it's like, oh, he really does belong. You know, he's the real deal. Uh, it's a, it's very strange, very strange. I can't think of another person like it. You know, or I was trying to, like I was trying to think of maybe The Rock when he started, but it wasn't like he was given that kind of a push. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. right away. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and different, you know, he wasn't that. You know, he was a goofy character to begin with. Mm. But it's just, it's got to be one of the biggest surprising successful acts to you know to break through. You know, we see people get pushes all the time that are above their level and. Mm. And they sink. You know, not all the time, but frequently, we'll see someone get a big push. Uh, you know, uh, you know, and 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 they won't succeed. And yeah. you know, and they'll start off just like Okada. It's rocky. The fans reject it, and then it just gets worse and worse. And then mm, mm, mm. the guy gets repackaged, and then or you know gets released or something. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, that became sort of a a, a, a hallmark of the current era, or a hallmark of of Gato, perhaps, of like sticking to his guns and and um, you know um, knowing he knows he knows talent and uh, yeah, and, and, um, and that sort of came through. I mean, like to to your point, Sean, I was I was only trying to think of a Western analog. The closest Western analog I could think of would be Kurt Angle, maybe. Um, yeah, just uh, but, uh, fired right out of the gate. Yeah, 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 and and again, like someone who was kind of openly ridiculed or rejected very, very early on um, that, that kind of shot into that role. But, um, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, definitely an interesting match to, you know, very historically significant, if not greatest match to match to watch. Um, but, uh, yeah, there were, there was plenty of other things on this, this card to talk about, including, uh, fighting without honor or humanity, Sean, this was uh, yeah. uh, this is, uh, you know, one of the things that we've we've talked about it on on our on our other episodes of this this podcast. One of the sad things of the of the Bush Road era is that the Wrestle Kingdom matches have lost their subtitles, um, and so we've we've lost matches called things like "Rocking Your Hearts of Fucking Outlaws" or <laughs> you know "Deep Sleep to Lose." 
Um, that's one, one. And then uh, this one, Fighting Without Honor or Humanity, with Togi Makabe and uh, Yoshihiro Takeyama. Yeah, I was expecting some sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, a bloodbath or a brawl. And <laughs> and what I got was a lot of Takeyama just beating the crap out of Makabe for most of the match. And yeah. being very imposing when he stood up in front of him. I mean, that's the one thing that stood out to me was yes. just how big he was. And mm-hmm. um and then Makabe's emphatic comeback in the end, just a brutal spider German, and <laughs> just uh, you know, uh, just uh, I just cringed because uh, Takayama's so big, and he just snapped him down to the you know, to the mat, and then finished him off with the King Kong knee drop, and it was actually you know, it was kind of plotting at times because Takayama, you know, I thought they did a good job of you know covering up for Takayama here, yeah. you know, not you know, not having his mobility, not moving right. very well, but. Uh, kind of like a um, a sickum type thing, you know. He just like uh, it was a uh, mauling <laughs> macabre yeah. at times. Yeah, this was kind of where Takama was at, at at this point at, of of his run and, and towards the end of his, of his his New Japan run here. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting as well. Like this is kept very brief. Um, you know, I think it's you know eight or nine minutes for a, a match yeah. that they were building to for a couple of months. Like this went back to October. And so uh, this was all about Makabe like feuding with Suzuki Gun um, and Minoru Suzuki, which was like that went back to when Suzuki Gun was founded, which was like spring 2011. And um, so like Makabe had been going back and forth with with Suzuki, and like you know they finally had their their blow off singles match in the um, Ogoku in Sumo Hall uh, in yeah in October 2011. Um, so what's now? King of Pro Wrestling. And um, so they, they were doing this thing where, like, Takeyama was in the front row and, like, sort of trying to egg on Makabe. And then, of course, like, at, at the end, after Suzuki wins, like, you know, Takeyama gets in the ring and, and gives, like, the Everest German to Makabe because, like, you know, he was he was Suzuki going all along, damn it. But, like, of course, because, like, the, the No Fear tag team with, with Suzuki there. So, like, he was kind of Suzuki going affiliated or Suzuki going adjacent um, for the rest of his, of his run in, in New Japan here. But, like, um, like, yeah, certainly something that had been on the cards for, for a good three months at this point. Um, a longer build to this than the IWGP title match, for instance, on this show. Um, so to, for that to then come down to like a kind of a short, <laughs> a short match, um, that I mean, it kind of speaks, I guess, to, to the, the physical state of Takeyama at, at, at the yeah. time. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just, um, you know, it was. Uh... It was something you know I thought could have gone a little longer, but it was it was kind of one sided, and then just to come back and a finish. So, you know, nine minutes it was a lot shorter than I was expect. You know, well I was probably expecting out of the match, but uh, I think they kind of got it right in the end, <laughs> given uh, yeah, you know yeah, how. I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, as uh, as someone Sean who who you were covering um, Ring of Honor a, a fair bit, I mean, you talked about like Kabashi going over to, to Ring of Honor and 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 whatnot. Uh, Great Muto also had his his right stretches from from time to time. So um, that presumably would have been your into okay. Here's Keiji Muto in the two thousands as as opposed to Keiji Muto in in the nineties through through WCW and and whatnot. Um, so. With that in mind, what were you kind of expecting from Keiji Muto versus Tetsuya Naito? I thought they were going to have a pretty. I know Muto slowed down um, 
but I was just expecting you know more of a maybe a faster pace, not necessarily super fast, but something to match Naito as a, as a baby face. And instead, it was just you know Muto doing a a ton of limb work and uh, just brutalizing Naito's leg like the whole time until the end where it got good and it kind of just. Uh, you know, the crowd really wasn't, didn't seem into it. It seemed kind of dull and it seemed repetitive with the dragon screws. And um, I was expecting something a little more, um, you know, exciting um, between the two. And what I got was, um, you know, kind of a dull match until the end. It was for me being that like, what was frustrating was we didn't quite see, we didn't see enough of Naito. You know, I, th- I think in, right. in this match at all, and like this was, um, you know, a, a kind of a key juncture for Tetsuya Naito. I think you know, if you look back at what he was doing in in 2011, he'd, um, you know, in 2010 he'd he'd had like a, a really important series of matches with with Tanahashi, and then in 2011 he had a like really important series of matches with Nakamura because like Naito used to be in chaos. Um, like split away from from that and went back to like the the core army of of New Japan. So he's back to being like you know babyface, babyface, and he gets all the way to the the finals of the G one. Had a really great uh, G one final with with Nakamura, um, and then wrestled Nakamura again um, in November. And so he came out on the losing end of the, of that feud because uh, you know Nakamura was um, having the the rocket attached to him with the, with the G one win, and then you know he'd start you know, he'd win the Intercontinental title not long after this, and then like really define that belt. Um, but for Naito, it kind of felt, especially to me at the time, you know, I was kind of thinking he really needs like a big signature win to to get that momentum back. Um, and he loses to, to Muto here um, in a match that, that, yeah, I mean, going over it, you know, thinking back to it, to it live, it, it was kind of a, a cold crowd, a, a little bit, um, a little bit restless. And uh, yeah, it, it was really kind of, oh, this is, this is going to be really tough for Naito to recover from. And then, of course, like later on in the year, he has the knee injury. And so he, it was really kind of sort of a... a pretty horrible year for Tetsuya Naito in, in 2012. Um, yeah. And this was the start of it, really. Um, <laughs> Just not a good showcase, you know, for what he could do as a baby face and kind of, you know, he got the, you know, he took the, all the shining wizards at the end and kicked out of that. But it just seemed, it seemed more emphatic than it needed to be for what his character needed at the time. Yeah, and I think like Keiji Muto is, as well, his sort of positioning at, at this point, this is the last time we'll see Keiji Muto in this position of being a real sort of gatekeeper for like the the, the big guy that we're going to focus on at, at Wrestle Kingdom. And so like we saw it a few years ago with uh, Hiroki Goto um, and we, we saw the same thing with, with uh, Naito here. Goto, it was like, with Goto is the great muter. So like that was another layer of sort of final bossness to him. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, so I think that's like another layer of, oh, that sucks for Naito is that this is, this is Keiji Muto who like in theory, uh, you know, from, from a character standpoint um, is someone that's at least beatable, you would think. Um, but uh, yeah, lots of Shining Wizards and, and a moonsault and um, yeah, that that's kind of that's kind of it. And this was the last, yeah, as I said, the, the last big singles match for Keiji Muto in the, in the Tokyo Dome. 
Yeah. And uh, to move on, our main event, which was uh, the record setting at that time of V11 defense for Hiroshi Tanahashi against Minoru Suzuki. Um, were either of these guys on, on your radar at all in 2012? Um, I don't think so. Maybe Tanahashi a little bit, but not Suzuki. Um, I had heard about Tanahashi, you know, kind of being the guy – you know, carrying New Japan through tough times and being, you know, the champion and uh, kind of just being, you know, the everything to the company at the time. I remember hearing that. So I definitely recognized that at the time he was like there. Uh, I, I hate the uh, I was reading some comparisons to John Cena. He was there. Uh, John Cena, a lot of people like to say. Um, and it kind of I guess it kind of fit because he, uh, you know, he uh, won all his matches and kicked out of people's finishes. And um yeah, but uh, it's well, yeah. But I don't, I, if, if it comes to this thing that everybody, everybody hates, like the guy, the guy that wins in the end, doesn't it? So, I don't think he was uh, hated at least. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Just uh, minus the hate, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's definitely someone I had heard about. You know, just be like he's one of the guys I kept hearing about, like magnificent performer, and I kind of wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to see this guy. Um, at the time, I just kept putting it off. Um, of course, uh, yeah, Suzuki was someone I would I hadn't heard of, but man, did he capture my interest quickly in G one when I first saw when I first started to see him around that time. Yeah, so for Suzuki, um, <clears throat> he was uh, a, a freelance through through most of the two thousands and and had a, a a longer run with with all Japan. So he's more closely to tied to all japan at the at the time heading into 2011 and uh then sort of became new japan exclusive um in 2011 where he started you know where he took over and, and became the leader of, of suzuki gun which was originally it was suzuki taichi and takamichinoku um and taichi and takamichinoku i don't know if you don't know if you know this sean where it was originally going to be kojima gun so it oh, was originally okay. Satoshi Kojima's <laughs> no. unit, and so the the whole deal was like it, none of those guys as as a unit were really getting wins, and like Taichi and Taka were were starting to heal it up and and cheat all the time in their matches, um, yeah. and that pissed Kojima off, um, and so like it was uh, Don Taka in in twenty eleven, um, where Kojima it was like Kojima versus Makabe. And um, Taichi and Taka were sort of in Kojima's corner, and like you know, they they were like, "Oh, do you want us to to beat him up?" kind of thing. And like Kojima sends that sends it both way. So then at the end of the match, they they both sort of come back with uh, come back to to sort of bust up with Kojima, and then Suzuki comes in, um, and it's like, "Oh my god!" And then he took over uh, Suzuki again from there. So like the the whole idea was uh, Minoru Suzuki kind of much like. The like an outsider Morris, yeah but much like the in the same way that he came back in in 2017 where it was like yeah. I've, I've come back to to conquer and i've come back to sort of take over the, everything that that you hold dear so um yeah he had a, a very very hot 2011 um but like this title match like this is before 
um, the G1 winner got the title shot at WrestleCube. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's I was gonna. That's one of the things I was researching while I was pre- prepping for this, and I was shocked. I said, you know, I was what, you know, why is Suzuki in this match? And I, I was like, I, I uh, didn't know that it was the last year before the G1 winner got an automatic title shot. So mm. I was looking at the card, and I see Nakamura won, but he's in a tag match halfway through the show, and. Yeah. Um, and Suzuki challenged somewhere in, like, on a show somewhere in November, I believe, for Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah, at it. the end of a show. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. So, like, it it came down to yeah, Tanahashi beat Naga. They did the a similar deal to this year where they did Okada versus Tanahashi for that that last record setting defense or whatever. So, like, yeah. Tanahashi beat Nagata for to like tie the the IWGP record, and then. Um, yeah, he he got on the mic and said, you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing for the Tokyo Dome, but you know, I, I will keep on defending New Japan against all comers, kind of thing. So like that was kind of a direct calling out to Suzuki, effectively, and and that, that's what got got us that's, here. Yeah, and that's it's kind of another signal of a beginning of a new era, you know. In addition to Okada going forward, you had the G, you know, the G1 winner, you know, cash, cashing in at um, Wrestle Kingdom. Hmm. Um, so this uh, this match, I think, like Suzuki and Tanahashi re- wound up wrestling a- another couple of times in in 2012, um, and I think a lot of people sort of the, the, their G1 matches is, is kind of very very well regarded. Uh, I really like the the King of Pro Wrestling match they they have in October this year. Um, so yeah, it, it's hard to say like this this match in a vacuum this this match is 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 a good match um but of of the three i think that they have this year it's 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 the third of the three but like it's 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 still worth watching in my opinion yeah this was a very i thought it was very good like not up to the level of some of the other stuff i've seen with them but i thought it was really good um you know just uh, the story they told with suzuki just brutalizing him and getting the fans buying into you know, hey, this this guy's gonna you know beat Tanahashi. You know, just the slaps and the knee, you know, the the brutal knees and uh, Tanahashi. You know, getting his uh, uh, you know his mouth bloodied, and then um, <laughs> you know just uh, just great stuff with uh, Suzuki just being evil. You know, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, that, it's, it's, and, that's and Suzuki. <laughs> yeah, that's Suzuki dropkick like every time. That's oh, yeah. you know. I mean, Suzuki's yeah. where he sort of follows his 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 guy into the ropes, and it's just like, bah. and it's like a slight. The the camera doesn't have a wide shot of it, so like you just, I think like the, the they're sort of focusing on Tanahashi as he's coming off the ropes, and then you just see two boots like right in his face. Um, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate as well because like the at at new beginning the match with Okada, like Okada gets like that huge drop kick in on him right to his his to Tanahashi's face, and he loses a tooth in that match as well. So yeah, it's he had like a really shitty January twenty twelve. It's a rough month for the uh, oh, good-looking Tanahashi. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, I mean, like, it, the the real, is it like, uh, yeah, the, the evilness of, of Suzuki, like, uh, truly, truly coming out. And um, such a, you know, it, it, it really speaks to you know, another guy that, that just has volumes of, of confidence in, in everything that he did. And it's it, it was really strange to read about him coming back to pro wrestling in 2000 and what 2003 
Yeah. Um, and you know, after yeah. his his MMA career, and um, you know, it's kind of interesting. There's this guy who always had like phenomenal charisma, but wasn't hugely confident. You know, and, and he was sort of saying to himself, you know, he, he gave an interview where he said, like, um, he promised himself that if he wasn't relevant within the space of a year, that he'd just quit. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he made himself pretty relevant pretty quickly over that, over that year and, and just yeah. stayed relevant for another, you know, nearly two a decades and a half, nearly two decades at this point. It's just um, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At his age, for what he's done, you know, and still does, you know, and even all these years, even after this show, um, being relevant in 2018, um, and even just, you know, just, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, having that murder fest on uh, the last uh, um, power struggle against Ishii. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just amazing, you know, someone his age doing that is just something else. <laughs> mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, like the the other the the really sort of surprising things that, that you see in this match are like Tanahashi kicking out, kicking out the God style pile driver, which, uh, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Never, <laughs> never, ever happens. Yo, um, Suzuki usually being a guy that's, that's very, very, you know, Suzuki matches are sort of defined by like these, these very protected finishes. So it's like Tanahashi kicking out of the, the God style pile driver and Suzuki kicking out the high fly flow as well. Like conversely, yeah, uh, that's something you you don't normally see in a Suzuki match. So I think like that, and I think there's there's an extent to where the, the fans are, are clued in on on that um, that that made them react. Um, but perhaps you're possibly less so to a, a New Japan audience in in 2012 because Suzuki had only been back for half a year at this at this point. Um, you know, whereas had it happened in suzuki and tanahashi this year i think a lot of people would have been oh like really really freaking out um yeah because i freaked out when i saw it <laughs> you didn't get quite the reaction i expected but uh it, it, it was a great near fall given that you know how protected that move is and mm. uh yeah and still is you know <laughs> yeah i think and, and what what's awesome in this match i think as well is like suzuki you know you, you'll give you'll get tanahashi in making his his little comebacks but it's he'll never get shut down because he slips on the banana skin like he'll he'll like tanahashi gets gets shut down because suzuki's just just smarter you know um so it's just every little thing you know tanahashi gets uh gets a little bit on suzuki on the outside um but when Tanahashi gets back in the ring, like Suzuki's just baiting him in to do that sort of armbar over the ropes. Um, and so, you know, there's just every every little bit, like Suzuki always seems like one step or two ahead, you know. And that's sort of the, the Minoru Suzuki main event style, I think, where he just seems so dominant and and so, like, overbearing that uh, that you don't think the other guy has, has a chance. Um but uh, very, very rarely does Minoru Suzuki win in, 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 the, in the big yeah. scenario. So. But, yeah, it, it was a hell of a way to cap off the show, though. It was a good, really good uh, long, you know, you got that long singles match, uh, twenty, you know, around 26 minutes. And um, I like the Kaya you know, Suzuki going for the uh, gotch and, um, or the sleeper, the choke sleeper at the end. And Suzuki, I mean, uh, 
uh, Tanahashi countering the sling blade and then, you know, hitting the uh, high fly floaters back and then to his, uh, the traditional one for the win um, was a, it was just a, I just, it was a really good match. Um, not as good as some of their other ones, but it was, it was still really good. Yeah. And uh, then I'll, I'll tell you my, my anecdote for this, from this show is um, Tanahashi wins. He, he poses around for a bit and uh, we kind of think, oh, show's over. Yeah, it's starting to get late or whatever. And uh, I remember being sort of halfway up the steps, you know, and, and just sort of coming out. And then, like, Akada gets on the mic. So uh, I remember watching right from the, 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 the top of the, the stands because I was halfway out the door for, like, by the merch stands, just, like, looking down. And it's like, oh, yeah. You're, like, you were buying a towel to run here? up to the Were you yeah. buying a And it's like, <laughs> here's Akada in his, in his, like, his black shirt yeah he didn't he sort of half got changed you know and like he's getting in the ring and then uh challenging tanahashi and uh you know like say you you couldn't you couldn't sort of make it better in the in the end like if if you tried that this was so that like fans expectations were so against okada you know it seemed yeah so much like who is this you know um but uh, yeah, very sort of heavily, heavily booed, and just uh, you know, you, you get the Kaide chance, like go home, you go home. Like, <laughs> like everybody sort of just expect our oh, Tanahashi is just going to breeze through this guy because that often happens in the beginning, like you get the the easy challenger for, for the champion or whatever. Yeah, it was um, again. It's one of those things, like you know, kind of, Tanahashi almost blows him off when he challenge, you know, when he gets in the ring and just looks at him, you know, <laughs> like who are you? And uh, you know, <laughs> accepts his challenge. It's just, uh, uh, yeah, it's just again, it's one of those shocking things that ended up working out and being so monumental and being, you know, just a. You know, you know, one of the you know, one of the few you think of first when you think of New Japan in this era, or, you know, or overall, and it's just amazing that it started out like this with with the fan reaction, and uh, it was kind of a flat ending to the show. You know, it just the fans seemed upset, and um, you know, just not having this Okada guy, you know, not having this Rainmaker guy with his you know, blonde hair, and now he's getting a title shot. It just seemed. You know, it was just uh, it, it was it was a big risk on the part of New Japan to to end the show like that. With uh, they had to have known the um, you know the fans wouldn't take it like uh, seriously. So maybe the strategy all along was to you know that hey, uh, we know Alcott is good. He's going to win these people over. He's going to pull this character off and. Um, yeah, that's why I trust Gato so much. Uh, you know, with this booking, you know, uh, you know, like like Jay White, you know, had his ups and downs starting the Sling Blade character. You know, he had that one match against Adam Page uh, in the states that didn't get much of a reaction at all. And then the next time he comes back, like a few months later, and he owns the crowd in this match. You know, they're booing him, <laughs> and um, it's just like I think Gato, you know, he gives people rope to pull things off and they pull them off, you know, the belief that they can, you know, this is, this is who this guy is. And, 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 and he's going to be a major centerpiece of our promotion and, um, it works, you know, it's just, uh, you know, just, uh, it's, 
it's a lot of fun to watch, but in this case, this isn't an extreme case of, um, you know. Yeah, uh, right. I, I mean, like with with Jay White, obviously, you know, a guy that had proven himself for for a while as as young man. You know, I think like, everybody knew that that Jay White had a lot of talent. It was just like him growing into being the switchblade. I think, you know, and um, and he's kind of yeah, my even, first. Uh, He's kind of my first young line. You know, you were talking earlier. I'm sorry mm. to interrupt, but you were talking earlier about, you know, how you watch guys on the outside. Right, and, and right, right. Jay White was that guy I watched on the outside for so long. And now yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. look what he is. It's just that's another great tradition in New Japan, you know? Yeah. And I think like with, with New Japan World these days, you know, you, you have lots more fans in Japan and, and abroad that, that follow guys. Uh, from their their first steps you know so i think you you have you're you're gonna have a lot of fans now of like a, a yota suji or like a shoto umino um the the when they 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 reach the top you know there's a, an aspect of, of pride from from the fans i think of like oh I'd, i've i've known this guy from the beginning kind of thing um but uh yeah with with okada like <laughs> all of that that was was kind of gone and just like this this really really shocking um turnaround um that's you know i mean <laughs> it's like of course it took gato to, to recognize that talent but it was also like okada in like being in that spot and being able to turn himself around so quickly and so decisively and being so good in in 2012 um, and, and yeah. basically you know just like i said earlier coming off being booked so poorly you know in in tna and you know, just not wrestling much and being this goofy character. I mean, that couldn't have done a lot, you know, like I said, for his confidence. But, you know, he overcame everything. Um, you know, he, he he had a full deck of cards stacked against him, you know. You know, because I, I uh, you know, it just, you know, the, you don't see many guys overcome this. You know, in Japan, you can. In the States, you don't see it too often in major companies, you know, where, a guy has a really terrible gimmick and then he overcomes it and um is successful right, right. Um, yeah 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 but i mean at that i mean there you go i mean like it it really speaks to you use the word ter- terrible gimmick but like i think like everybody sort of loved the 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 rainmaker character you know i mean it's it's who it you know it's it's who you are and like how you embody a, a certain character that makes it a good good or bad gimmick right if if mark right. was just had a series of shitty matches and then disappeared <laughs> after three months you'd be like who was that zombie guy you know that was like the, the undead you know guy that was making coffins what the fuck was that about you know but he made it you know because of how good he was he made it like this enduring character over, over when i was years. when i was very little he was mean mark calloway and there you go i mean jushin Liger as well yeah know? <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, so so many characters over the years. Where had they been another person? Um, and you see that when you, when you have the sort of uh, you know when you have instances like the the fake Kane or the you know, the fake Diesel rather or the or, yeah you know, the the fake yeah say so the fake Undertaker or the, the fake we had a, a fake Great Muta at one point. Um, then That's that, right. that really sort of shows up the the differences between the the people under under that particular character you know um so yeah was there anything else from from wrestle kingdom 6 that that uh that grabbed your interest at all sean um, nothing else i can remember um just uh just what the characters would become you know show, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, apollo 55 was on the show and you yeah. know devitt devitt leading the bullet club 
uh, you know, kind of around the time, you know, right after Nakamura be- start to become what he was, and um, you know, he was on, you know, kind of in the thrown in the mid card mix and kind of a forgettable match. So it's kind of like all this is kind of on the cusp of you know New Japan becoming you know what it is today, and some of the key pieces uh, um, falling into. If it, it, into place, you know, the Tanahashi Okada feud, uh, you know, Bullet Club, and, um, you know, this was the end of the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, TNA, you know, relationship had ended, so there were no TNA guys on this particular show. Yeah. So, it, um, the you Intercontinental know. title as well, like the, the IC belt here being on, uh, I believe, I think it was Masato Tanaka at this point, and like that being just in a tag match with Shelton Benjamin and MVP against yeah. Yujiro and, and Tanaka. So like really the, the IC belt at this point pre Nakamura um, was, was something that was a little bit far more of an afterthought than, you know, that it was from 2013 that it was sort of double main event status level, you know, and then Nakamura made it to, to the point where it did headline in, in 2014. Um, so yeah just as i said like a lot that's that's nearly at the new japan you recognize from now uh but just just off enough that that it makes it a, a particularly interesting sort of thing to to do a retrospective on and, and look back on definitely mm. all right well uh thanks sean for hopping on to to chat 2012 in the tokyo dome with us uh this podcast will be uh up to people who backed uh, the indiegogo uh campaign for eggshells up very soon um but for the general public listening on the post wrestling network this will be up in december uh so what's what's going on for for sean and, and pw torch in, in the month of december uh, right now, just uh, gearing up for Wrestle Kingdom and the uh, you know World Tag League coverage. I have my uh, uh, podcast, Radican Worldwide, with my co-host Rich Fan. I also do the New Japan Roundtables after big shows and uh, written coverage, and of course uh, ROH Final Battles coming up. So uh, a busy season heading into Wrestle Kingdom, but basically it's you know all 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 eyes are on Wrestle Kingdom right now and. Um, just very interested in, uh, you know, the other big thing is, you know, seeing where the elite guys end up doing after their, uh, you know, after January 1st. It's uh, it's a kind of, uh, seems like it's going to be a watershed year, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots, lots going on, lots of moving parts. And uh, moving into the co-host chair in 2013, uh, John Pollock, um, staying with the, the post-wrestling family, John Pollock will be uh, rejoining us uh, to look at 2013 next time. Um, you can, of course, get Eggshells Pro Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome from Amazon.com, or you can uh, reach out to me directly, and I'll sort you out a copy uh, at ReasonJP on Twitter. Uh, Sean, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll chat to everybody next time. Thank you.